it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. And I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word because it's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. And I declare today, Father, that your word is going to produce signs, miracles, and wonders in our lives. And Lord, as I step back, I thank you for the anointing of God covering me and speaking through me to your people. And I thank you that it just won't be words coming from a man through the internet. But it will be the Spirit of God using your word to penetrate our hearts, to change our lives. And I thank you today for our lives never, ever being the same. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, 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 amen. Well, God bless you this morning. Last week I started a new series that I entitled Facing the Giants. And as I said on last week, this was an already planned series to teach. And what an appropriate topic for what our world is facing right now. And maybe what you're facing. And so uh, the foundation of this whole series is centered around David and Goliath and that story that we know. And there were three things on last week, and I'm just going to do a short review before we jump into today's lesson. There were three things that we learned from my first lesson that I want to point out, and that is to help us defeat giants. The first one was to understand that God is bigger than any giant you will face. Everybody say God is bigger than any giant I will face. And so we, uh, Romans 8:31, we know it, but it says, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And so the second principle that we learned on last week on how to overcome our giants and how to conquer them is that we learned that sometimes, uh, listen, giants don't go away. They must be conquered. Giants don't go away. They must be conquered. If you're waiting on a giant to just go away, listen, God has put inside of you the dominating power to conquer that giant. Amen. And then we we learn because, see, sometimes God's promises also come with giants, which means that sometimes he requires us to dispossess before we can take possession. Someone say amen to that. And then the last principle or the third principle that we learn that will help us overcome giants is to understand that our viewpoint regarding our giant determines our vantage point toward the giant. I'm going to say that again. Our viewpoint regarding our giant determines our vantage point towards the giant. In other words, our perspective must be that, you know, that there's always more for us than who is against us. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to move into the lesson today. And if you're taking notes, the lesson title is Facing the Giant of Uncertainty. Facing the Giant of of uncertainty. And this is going to be an amazing message. So 
Here's what I'm trying to accomplish today with the lesson. I really want to appeal to your intellect today. I, I want you to process and think through what I'm saying because here's why. Once you understand, then the word has now soil to become rooted. And then once the word is rooted, fruit's going to come out of it. Amen. So I want you to take your notes and I want you to write down two main verses we're going to use today. We're going to use 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 18 and then we're going to look in Proverbs chapter 22 verse 1. That was 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 18 and then Proverbs 22 21. Now, to kick this lesson off, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to read a testimony that I received on this past Friday from a local business that's, that's in Fort Worth. Now, let me give you the backup or the backup story for this, for this uh, whole testimony. Pastor Lisa on last week was updating me on the PPP money process. You know, the payroll protection program that the government has put together. Well, they are allowing churches to apply for that money. Well, you know, we've applied for the funds, but we haven't yet to receive any because one of the reasons they ran out of money. But as a church, regardless of receiving these monies, we've made a decision and we're committed to assisting our members who need help during this time. But you know, because our vision is to know Christ and to make him known, we not only have the responsibilities to support our members, we also have the responsibility to make Christ known in our local community. So... Pastor Lisa had watched the news and she was explaining to me that there was a, a, a small business in Fort Worth that uh, was interviewed by the news and was explaining to the news that they applied for the pay, uh, payroll protection program and they had not received money and that they needed the money, watch this now, to help keep their staff employed. And when Pastor Lisa told me about this story, I don't know the person, I don't know the business, but something on the inside with an urgent nature said, Evan, you need to help that business. Word of truth needs to help that business. I got so excited that Pastor Lisa got excited. So this testimony that I'm about to read is from this business, which by the way, we did not ask them to write this testimony. So not only is this an amazing testimony, but it helps me to introduce the lesson title today, which is Facing the Giant of Uncertainty. So they're going to put the testimony on the screen and I'm going to actually read it. It says, Dear Word of Truth family, it had been a really, really difficult week this week, perhaps the hardest week of the stay at home order so far. I have heard many people say that last week hit a low point in their homes. And it was true in our home too. We were all tired and stressed and missing our people. On top of that, the week at our family shop, which is called Leaves Book and Tea Shop, had been equally difficult as we faced disappointments with every avenue of funding. And we started the week with the worst sales we had since this whole thing started. It was becoming increasingly difficult to know how to make decisions with so much uncertainty. There's the word. I, her name is Tina, felt like a terrible leader and business owner. Like nothing I was doing was working. How many have been there? 
or at least making predictable differences. And I was to the point of needing to cut my staff's hours again and or let some of them go. We opened our shop almost two years ago because we felt God called us to do so. We desire to be a space in our community that encourages pausing from the hectic pace of life, being present with ourselves, others, and our work, and creating a safe place to have real conversation. God has continually called us to trust Him, depend on Him, and acknowledge both His sovereignty and goodness. Through this entire six weeks of dealing with the coronavirus, God has asked us, watch this, to again surrender the shop to him in all ways, big and small. He asked us to believe he is sufficient. Daily, we've been so grateful for the small graces and for him pursuing us. But it was still overwhelming and some moments were just hard to remember who he is. Tuesday morning, Deborah Ferguson with NBC5 called about the interview about our small business and what we're currently facing. Tuesday was a day of terrible sales, and I considered closing the shop for the day on Wednesday while I regrouped and made hard decisions. But that night, somebody say that night. That night, I told my husband, I want you to listen to me, word of truth. I told my husband that I trusted God to work out his will with the shop. But I felt like he was still stripping things away. Watch this. So I could remember that anything happening right now with the shop is him and him alone. Well, Wednesday morning, the segment aired. I decided to keep my regular hours And we ended up having a really solid day of sales. And then, somebody say, and then. And then Pastor Lisa called me with the news that your church wanted to support our staff by helping us with payroll expenses. And you were so abundantly generous, word of truth, that we can cover our staff's paycheck for almost two months. Oh, somebody give the Lord a hand clap just right there. She goes on to say, I'm floored, amazed by God's goodness, reminded that he sees us and he remembers us. And I'm going to pause right here and say, I don't know where you are today, Word of Truth family. I don't know where you are today, who's watching me. But what I do know, God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you need. And he knows exactly who he's going to use to get it to you. Praise the Lord. She said, reminded that he sees us. And that he remembers us. I'm crying again, even as I write this. I got to tell our staff, which by the way, most of whom are not believers, that a church cared about them so much that they walked out their values. In other words, the values of our church. And I told her, the vision is to know Christ and to make him known. But one of our values that we show how to make Jesus known is through generosity. And they have been the hands and the feet of Jesus. Watch what else she says. I've gotten to share the same message with some of my fellow small business owners about how your church, who isn't connected with our shop, otherwise gave abundantly because you care. Watch this now, church. And when they question, why would they do that? I get to say, because Jesus is generous, we are generous. 
I've also gotten to share with other fellow believers who cry with tears of joy with me because this act of kindness, this reminder that God is present and working through his body. I'm going to go on to say, so from the very bottom of my heart, this is Tina talking, the business owner. So from the very bottom of my heart, from my whole family and from my staff, Thank you, Word of Truth Family Church. We are so grateful and in a whole lot of awe of our great big God who sees love Todd and Tina Howard, who are the owners of Leaves Book and Tea Shop. I know it was a long testimony. Come on, can we give the Lord a hand clap for allowing him to use us? Yes. Oh, we may not be at church right now physically, but we're still impacting our community. Someone say amen to that. So since our topic is facing the giant of uncertainty, let's define what uncertainty means. Now, I think the best way for me to go about doing this is to help you. uh, Let's let's define the word certainty, because if we define what it means to be certain, then we'll understand what it means to be uncertain. When you look up the word certain in the dictionary, it means to be free from doubt. It means to be confident and it means to know that something is going to happen. I'm going to say that again. When you look up the word certain in the dictionary, it has a threefold meaning. Number one, it means to be free from doubt. Number two, it means to be confident in. And number three, it means to know that something is going to happen. So that means now what it means to be uncertain means to be full of doubt, to not be confident, and to not be sure that something is going to happen. That sounds like uncertainty to me. Now, if you're taking notes, I only have two points today, and I'm going to give you my first point. Here's the first point if you're taking notes, and that is we believe what we see. We believe what we see. Let me say it like this. We have been designed to believe what we see. And the reason uncertainty impacts most people in a negative way is because we're designed to believe what we see. So when it comes to uncertainty, if you see nothing, watch this now, you can believe nothing because we've been designed to believe what we see. So when people lose hope or if they can't see how something is going to work out, then they become uncertain. And here's the thing. Uncertainty creates doubt. And it diminishes our confidence. Why? Because it falls into the unknown and the unseen realm. When we're talking about uncertainty, we're talking about something that is in the unknown realm and the unseen realm. So when it comes to that, we really don't have an uncertainty problem. Why? Because remember, the Bible says, well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I don't want to skip my verse here, but let me just point something out to you. When it comes to now knowing something, we're supposed to know why. Because that's what God's word points us to do. It should be the solidifying force to what we believe. So when it comes to uncertainty, we really don't have an uncertain uncertain problem. You know what we have? We have a seeing problem. Because remember I said, we're designed to believe what we want. What we see. So if we see nothing, we believe nothing. We see what we believe. Now watch this now. Because, listen, the only reason we have uncertainty is because we can't see what's going to happen. 
So watch this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let me point something out. 2 Corinthians 4, 18. It says, while we look or see, not at the things which are seen, but at the things that are not seen. Wow. For the things that we see, watch this class, they are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. Now, I'm going to read that in the New Living Translation because one thing I'm going to point out is he's telling us not to look at things that can change, but to look at things that, are, that cannot change, which are eternal. He says, so we don't look at, I'm, I'm reading out the, uh, the New Living Translation, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. See, you got to look past the coronavirus. See, some of you all have parked here. No, no, no. Coronavirus is not a parking lot. It's a pass-through. David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow. See, some of you all have sat in the valley. You fearful to go to the grocery store. Well, let me tell you something. You can order it on Amazon.com all you want to, but there's going to become a day that you might have to leave the house, right? Listen, he says, for we fix our eyes or we gaze, watch this, what are we gazing at? On things that cannot be seen. Okay, so here's the question I got for you. How do we see or look at something that's eternal, invisible, or we cannot see? He told us that we need to gaze our eyes on things we cannot see. So how can you see something that you can't see? Well, I'm glad you asked me the question. Let me propose something to you, church. Let me propose to you that you already know how to look and see the invisible. You already know how to do it. Uh, can we agree, here's your intellect now, can we agree that uncertainty falls into the invisible realm? Can we agree on that? In other words, the only reason you're uncertain is because you can't see what's going to happen. So that means uncertainty falls into the invisible or the unseen realm. It's not visible. And even though it is not visible... Watch this now. You and I have proof that we believe in it. Why? Because that invisible force called uncertainty produces in us a word called worry. See, the only reason you and I worry is because we're uncertain about something that we're facing. All right? So uncertainty produces worry, which is us seeing through our mind's eye the negative things, watch this, that we believe might happen. We don't even know it's going to happen. But because we believe it is going to happen, we worry about it. Now, again, the reason why this impacts us so much is because we are designed to believe what we see. Now, let me just say this. The reason you believe it's a car, because you see it. The reason you believe that it's raining is because you see the rain coming out of the sky. We have been designed to believe what we see. So watch this now. So if you and I can change what we are seeing, then we can change what we're believing. Oh, are you with me, church? Are you with me? Listen, if you and I, since we believe what we see, if we can change what we're seeing, then we can change what we're believing. Listen, you and I, when we when we learn how to believe, it opens the doors of possibilities in our lives. Mark 9.23, you know the verse. It says, if you can believe, watch this, 
all things become possible to the person that believes. So I have a question for you, church. Here's a question. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to get to your intellect today. Here's the question. How do we see the eternal so we can believe the impossible? How do we see the eternal so that we can believe the impossible? Well, remember, the New Living Translation of 2 Corinthians 4.18 told us that we need to gaze our eyes on things we cannot see. So how do we see the eternal so we can believe the impossible? Go to Matthew chapter 24, verse 35. They're going to put it on the, script, on the screen. I'm going to show you how to, watch this, see the eternal, see the invisible, and watch this, which will produce you to be able to believe the impossible. Matthew 24, 35 says this, heaven and earth shall pass away. Wow. Those are things in the seen realm. You say, well, I've never been up to heaven, but that don't mean you can't see it. I mean, that don't mean it's not there. In fact, you can remember there are three levels of heaven. You know, you got the third heaven. That's where God them are. But then you got the heaven. You got space, you know, where the astronauts go up to. And then you can just see the heavens where the birds are flying. Well, he says heaven and earth is going to pass away. But I want you to see something, church. He says, but my words will not pass away. So right here, listen, listen, listen. Jesus gives us the remedy to uncertainty in this verse. He says that God's word will never pass away. So that means that God's word can produce certainty for me. If the word cannot pass away, then it puts the word, listen, in the eternal and invisible category. I'm going to say that again. If the word can't pass away, it puts the word in the eternal category. Because he says, listen, heaven and the word is going to pass away. But this word is not going to pass away, which means it's eternal. So you and I can see the invisible or the eternal by looking at the word. Now, see, you know the story about Peter. This is in Matthew chapter 14, verse 26 through 28. This is when Jesus had asked Peter, or Peter asked Jesus, uh, Jesus, can I come walk on the water with you? And the Bible says, Jesus said to Peter, come. He says, come on. And the Bible says he walked on the water. Verse 30 says this so. But when he, Peter, saw the wind, that it was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. So here's a question. Who was Peter looking at before he stepped out of this boat? Come on, say it out loud. Who was Peter looking at? Jesus. He was looking at Jesus. Well, that means he was able to look at the word and walk out on that word to be able to walk on that water. You may be saying, well, pastor, he could see Jesus, but I can't. Well, John 1, 1 says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. And then it goes on to say, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now, I'm going to show you a verse that's going to rid you of excuses of saying, well, I can't see Jesus, so why can I follow him? Why can I keep my, how can I keep my eyes on him? This is in 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. Watch this now. It says this, 
For there are three that bear record in heaven. Watch this. The Father. What else? The Word. Notice he didn't say Jesus. He said the Father is what's in heaven. The Word and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. So listen, you and I can change uncertainty to certainty when we change what we're looking at. And if we will look at the Word, the Word will change our uncertainty. If what we see makes us believe, then when we look at the Word and God's promises, watch this, it will position us to believe. If I see the Word, watch this, then I will believe the promises. Remember, what you, you believe what you see, right? So if I now begin to see the word, guess what I'm going to believe? I'm going to believe the word. Amen. So here's a critical game changer that I want to introduce, okay? Because here's the issue. We must decide what we are looking at so that we can see what God is looking at. See, Peter took his eyes off of the word. I'm talking to somebody right now. The reason why you feel like you drowning is because you done took your eyes off the word and you have started looking at the world. Well, Peter started sinking because he took his eyes off the word and he put his eyes on the weather, right? Well, when you and I decide, we must decide to change what we're looking at so that we can see what God is looking at. And that brings up a question. Here's a question. is Because we're talking about now to bring some certainty to our lives, we have to now look at the Word. So here's the question. Is God's Word reliable enough for me and you to accept it as certainty? I'm going to say that again. Is God's word reliable enough for you and me to accept it as certain? All right, which brings me now to point number two. And that is, we must believe what we read. We must believe what we read. See, if the word is going to bring some certainty, then that means I have to believe it. I have to believe what I read. Remember now, the word certain means to be free from doubt, to be confident, and to be sure that something is going to happen. So here's my question. Can God's word make me free of doubt? Can it cause me to have confidence in my future? Can it cause me to have confidence in my decision making? Can it cause me to have confidence in my life? My answer to you is yes. Can God's word make me sure that something is going to happen? Well, let me enlighten you about the word. The New King James Version of Proverbs chapter 22, verse 21. Watch what it says. He says, that I may make you know. Watch this now. This is God talking to you. So I'm going to put my name in here. I want you to put your name in here. That God might make Eben Connor know the certainty of the words of truth. Why? That I may know how to answer words of truth to truth of truth to those who send you. So, This word certainty right there in that verse, you know what it means? It means truth and reality. Wow. So that verse actually reads like this. That I may make Eben know the truth and the reality of the words of truth. Now I want you to notice he's saying he needs to make us to know the words of truth. See, we must be made to know so that we can believe. 
the reason we need to be made to know the truth is because, listen, you can know something and not believe it. You can know something and not be convinced of it. You can know that the word says what it says, but not be convinced enough about it to do it. And here's the problem with most Christians. The deception is we think just because we know what the Bible says or we know the word that we automatically believe the word. That's not true. See, you can know something and not believe it. You can know based on the weather man, based on the weather patterns, based on the weather report that it's going to rain tomorrow. And you can believe that and not carry your umbrella. Well, what does that mean? That means you knew it, but you didn't believe it. Well, many of us, we know the word, but we don't believe enough of it to do it. And here's the thing. Watch this. Once we have been made to know that God's word produces truth and reality, then that's when you and I can live in certainty. See, when you get to the point where the word becomes your reality, see, that's the problem. Some of you all, the word is not your reality. The world is your reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, when you believe the world over the word, then the word that you know will never be the word you believe. Why? Because you've chosen. See, you got to pick a side. You got to pick a side. Well, well, Pastor Evan, I'm just being a realist. Well, the question is, what's real to you? The Bible says God's word produces a reality and truth. So if we function in uncertainty, it's only because we have not been made to know the certainty of the word. Or if we know the certainty of the word and we still function in uncertainty, it's because we have not chosen to accept the word as our truth and reality. See, this is why you can't be around you know, in the coffee break room at work, talking unbelief with all those other people. Listen, when unbelief starts chatting, talking, I got to leave the room. Uh, here's the deal. When you listen to people who are spitting out unbelief, what you don't understand is that those words of unbelief are seeds of faith for the negative. And seeds are designed to be planted. And the fact that you listen, because now, listen, the word becomes planted through our ear gate. So when you hear people being negative and talking doubtful and you stay around that, those seeds of negativity and those seeds of doubt are going to now sprinkle through your ears into your heart. And now you're wondering why you worried about being laid off. You weren't worried about being laid off before this whole deal. But now you've been, I'm talking to somebody, you, you, y'all got a little chat session going on with people at your job. Oh, I heard this. I heard this. You need to drop the chat. Get out of the chat room. Praise the Lord. So how do you get to a place? Here's the question. I'm almost done here. How do we get to a place when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to the Word, how do we get to a place where we believe what we read? Because, see, that's, that's where the rubber meets the road at. How, how does Pastor Eben believe what he's reading? Well, I ask myself that question. I said, Eben... What makes you believe 
what you read. And so I have, I have a twofold answer for you. Here's, here's how I have decided to believe the Bible. Number one, when I read it, is the first thing that helps me believe, you know, anything that I read it. You know, let's just take the word. Let's focus on the word. The thing that helps me to believe the word when I read it is to know that it's truth or not. See, that's how I'm going to choose to believe something. If I go, okay, is this the truth? or is it? I mean, when you're on Facebook, have you ever been on Facebook and uh, you're reading about something and then you get down to the end and, and some, you know, I, I heard somebody say, you know, I, I stopped eating sugar. I stopped eating flour. I've lost 25 pounds. I feel energetic. I've been exercising every day. And I'm, I have lost 25 pounds since the coronavirus visit. And then at the bottom it says, I don't know whose post that was, but I just wanted to post it. You was believing it was the person who was reading, who was writing that or who posted it. You thought it was talking about them until the end. Well, one of the reasons I'm able to believe the word is because I know the word is truth. Here's the second thing that makes me uh, uh, believe the word when I read it is that I know the person or the author who wrote it well enough. Here's why that's important to me, because the content of what I'm reading has been produced by the character and the integrity of the person who wrote it. In other words, when I when I'm reading the Bible, I got enough experience about the person who wrote it that helps me understand that their character and their integrity are straight. In fact, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says this about the Word. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture has been God-breathed. You need Listen, when people want to start separating the Bible and this is that, no, 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 no. It didn't say some Scripture is inspired by God. All Scripture is inspired by God. And when you look that up, it means all Scripture has been God breathe. Well, all scripture has been given by the inspiration of God. Well, everybody say all means all. So that means all scripture has been authored by God. And based on what I know about God through the scriptures, I'm convinced. Watch this. The word has convinced me to believe. Watch this. That God is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. And when you know your God like that, you and I will be able to do amazing things. The latter part of Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 says this. But the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The word know there means discern, comprehend and discover. In other words, Those who know, those who discern, comprehend, and discover their God would be strong and do great exploits. The Amplified Version says, But the people who know their God shall prove themselves strong and shall stand firm and do exploits for God. Okay, I'm closing with this. Watch this now. The more you know God, because I'm talking about knowing the Word, because when you know the Word, it produces certainty. 
And once I have certainty, I don't have to walk in uncertainty. In other words, even though I cannot see uh, what the next step in something might be, I don't need to know the next step to know that God's going to work it out. How do I know that God's going to work it out? Because the scripture tells me he's going to work it out together for my good. So now watch this. My certainty comes from not what I'm seeing on the outside. My certainty is coming from what I'm seeing on the inside. Watch this. The more you know God, the more you can trust God. The more you can trust God, the more you can believe God. The more you believe God, the more you will do his word. And the more you do his word, watch this church, the more results you will experience. And you know what happens when you follow that pattern that I just said and you do it again? This is what happens. That means the more did you trust, the more you trust God, which causes you to believe God more, which causes you to do more of his word, which causes you to experience more results. In other words, when I do it and I see it worked, it's going to make me want to do it again. See, obeying the word is like being addicted to sugar. You just want some more. See, I've learned to be results driven. I've learned to let my flesh fight through the fears because my flesh needs to die anyway. Because that's all that be crying and going on. It's your flesh. Now, let your flesh die. How do you do that? You let your flesh die by trusting in the word. And when you get to this point, watch this now. You will believe who God says you are. You will believe what God says you can do. You can believe that the God on the inside is greater. And once you know God in his word and it becomes the roadmap for your life, once it becomes final authority, watch this now. When you know the word, the opinions of others and the uncertainties of life won't even matter. Why? Because you have reached a point of knowing. See, you can't tell me God can't heal because I've already been healed. You can't tell me that giving doesn't work because I've already been blessed. You can't tell me that trusting God doesn't pay off because I've trusted him and he's done exceedingly abundantly above all I ask or think. So how do I know God? How do I know that? Listen, there is no shortcut to knowing God. Man, you ought to be reading your Bible. You at home, I know you're working from home, but you have no reason now to not get in that word. So here's how you know God. There's no shortcut. You got to get in the word. You got to pray. You got to connect with others who are pursuing him. And then you got to apply your word to doing. So here's the application. Here are three things that you got to do. Three, 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 three. Here's number one. This is how you now overcome uncertainty. Replace any uncertainty with the certainty of truth. I'm going to say that again. Replace any uncertainty with the certainty of truth. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself, watch this, against the knowledge of God or against the word of God. And then what you do is you bring into captivity every thought to obey Christ. You and I must replace any uncertainty with the certainty of truth. Listen, when the devil was telling me, Evan, y'all ain't going to finish this building. Y'all ain't going to finish this building. You know what I did? 
I just learned that, that scripture that says, oh, no, no. He said he was going to plant us in a place of our own and we're not going to move no more, devil. So that's what I choose to believe. And you know what? I had to say it and say it and say it. And when things didn't look good, I still have to say it. So I replace any uncertainty with the, with the certainty of truth. Here's number two. You got to saturate your heart and your mind with truth by keeping it before you. You got to keep the word before your eyes. Remember now, we believe what we see. So if you keep the word before your eyes, you will believe it. Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, attend to my words. Acline thine ear to my saying. Watch it says in verse 21. Let them not. Let not the words depart from your what? Eyes. And when you keep them in front of your eyes, you'll be able to keep it in the midst of your heart. Joshua 1.8 says this. This book of the law, the word shall not depart out of your mouth. You got to saturate yourself with the word. You got to keep it in your, before your eyes and you got to keep it coming out of your mouth. And then here's number four or number three. You got to begin to obey God. Watch this. In known areas of your life so that God can bring clarity to the unknown parts of your life. Oh, I'm going to say that again. This is what you and I must do to overcome the giant of uncertainty. We must begin to obey God in the known areas of our life so that God can bring clarity to the unknown parts of our life. I have proven this, church. I'm done. I have proven this over and over and over again. I have proven that God's Word is solid enough strong enough, has enough integrity in it because the character of the person who wrote it is blameless and spotless, I have learned that I can depend on that word. And so there's some people that need to make some decisions today. Because you're, you're, you're looking at, I'm talking to some people right now, you, you're trying to make some decisions, but the way you're trying to make them is based on what you're looking at. I want you to change what you're looking at. Look at the Word. What does the Word say? Don't do what your eyes see. Do what your heart sees. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the Word. I know it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And I pray in Jesus' name that our church will understand that the certainty of truth will produce certainty for our lives. And I thank you and I praise you that this word is going to go and it is going to produce fruit in our lives in Jesus' name. Whatever your head, still about right there at your seat, right there at your computer, right there in your home, wherever you are. If you are a believer, I want you to start praying because there are some people that if you die tonight, you don't know if you go to heaven. You know, last week we had some people that got saved online. There are some people watching.